My heart this morning is to really just bring out something around the life of uh, Joshua. And we heard from Pastor Tark recently about Moses and the great faith that Moses had. But I just want to kind of take on from there and go into the life of Joshua uh, and speak about that. But um, yeah, before I do, let's just pray. Lord, we just thank you, God, for your presence here with us already. Thank you for that time of worship that, God, you've just been here, Lord, moving in our hearts, reminding us of your goodness to us. Reminding us, Lord God, Lord, that without you, Lord God, this life is hard. Lord God, when you're in us, when you're meeting with us, when your Holy Spirit has your way in us, oh God, Lord, we can overcome, we can see things take place in our lives, Lord God, that could never have happened without you. And Lord, we thank you for the cross as well, Lord God, this morning and all that you've done through that. And I pray the words that I speak would not be my words, but would be your words to each one of us this morning that we will receive from you. Lord God, into our hearts this morning in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen, Amen, Amen. Awesome. Well, I want to talk um, a little bit this morning about Joshua, and the message is called The Authority of the Believer, because I believe that each one of us actually has incredible authority as a believer of Jesus Christ. And when we're in Christ and Christ is in us, we walk with authority uh, in that. And, but I think sometimes as Christians, we can easily um, forget or lose focus or even just start living beneath where God actually wants us to live belief. And I feel like sometimes there's a line, and a lot of people live above the line, knowing who they are in Christ and knowing that maybe they're going through a trial or maybe they're going through things, but in Christ they can overcome. And for others of us, we can feel like we're living below that line, always worried about what's happening, always anxious about what's around the corner and living in fear. And I think a lot of it comes back to knowing, actually, who am I in Jesus? Who am I? Who's God calling me to be? What am I doing with this life? And so this morning, I want to look at this whole theme of the authority of a believer. And, you know, Joshua was the only one that spoke to the sun and to the moon and told them to stand still. He's the only human that spoke out like that, and they listened to him and obeyed his voice. And so I think he has some good things to learn about in his life. Uh, So if we can turn this morning to Joshua 1, chapter 1, and verse 1 to 9. And we're going to read through that and then go from there. So Joshua chapter 1, if you've got a Bible this morning or you've got it on your phone or tablet, let's have a read through from Joshua 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun saying, Moses, my assistant, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, as I have said to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, and all the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage, for this, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to your fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the left or to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night that you may observe to do all according that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid. 
nor dismayed, for the Lord your God, he is with you wherever you go. And I know that's a long passage, but there's so much in that that talks about the character and the nature and the journey that Joshua was about to lead. And I love the way that even though Joshua conquered a lot of things, God had to remind him again and again, be strong, be courageous. You can do this. You can overcome. And I think we always need encouragement. We always need reminding of the promises of God and all that he can do through us. And, you know, it starts with the facts. Moses is dead. He's actually dead, but you're alive. And for a lot of us, I think we can end up in parts of our lives going, man, I feel like there's an area of my life that feels like it's dead. But God is saying, no, it's alive. The dream is still alive. Yes, one part of it, that's finished, but your part is now to carry it on. And, you know, when we're living in the way that God wants us to live and doing the calling he has for us, there's going to be times where there's areas in our lives where we feel that there's a deadness to a part of our life or to something that we feel was a dream or to something that God's placed in us. But there's this moment that comes where God says, arise. It's not over. The journey of Israel was not over right there. Just because Moses died, they still had a plan. They still had a place to go. And God spoke to Joshua and said, arise. Now it's your turn. Go over this Jordan and do what I've got for you. And then he talks about all this land, you know, from there to there to the sea to all these places. And it's in some ways it's God saying, you know, what you see in your life, all the things that you don't think you can conquer, the, far, the places that are way over here or the places that are here, all of that you're going to conquer. All of it. Not just a part of it. I'm not just going to give you a wee part. No, I want you to conquer in every area that I send you. And I love that because I think when you're thinking about the authority of a believer, you need to know what God is going to send you into. You need to know that God has already given it to you. So the first point I want to make out of this passage is that we are already on the winning side. God has already got the victory and uh, he's already overcome. And we heard from this morning from Tracy, even when we're in our sins, Christ has already died for us and the victory is on our side. There's a really good verse in Colossians 2:13, which says, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all of our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. In other words, he's already won. It doesn't matter what, what journey or wherever God was leading you. He's already taken you there in the spirit. He's already conquered it. So whether it's a feeling of like, God, I don't know what's going on in my family. I don't know if we can actually restore what's happened over these years, or I don't know if I can actually get through this job. The fact is, is God has already got the victory for you. And sometimes we need to actually decide, I want to be on the winning side. You know, I want to be on that winning side. My mantra, my motto, the way I'm looking at the situation is that God has already won. And it doesn't mean that everything's going to be easy going. It just means that God has already gone before you. He's already paved the way, and he knows the steps you need to take. But it comes to a fact when we need to know that we know in our faith and our trust, no, God, you've got this. So when we face a disappointment at work or a setback uh, in, our, in, our, in our marriage or in our family or in our job, we need to know, no, God, you've already got this. And we need to know that God is on our side. He's already going before us and winning for us. I think sometimes, you know, the sad thing is we can, you know, we can go to work, we can go through life, we can go to church all of our lives and not know the power of God that we have available to us. 
not know the power that's at our disposal through God, through the Holy Spirit, through the gifts of the Spirit. And I'm not going to go into all of those. But, you know, we can, man, we can come up with some things out of our mouth sometimes that you would sound like you're on the wrong side of the team. Like we can say things that are so discouraging, things that, you know, oh, man, oh, it's just such a, it's been such a hard week or such a hard year or, man, I just, I'm, you know, like I don't know if I can actually... I can, I'm not this, this, this. And we can start saying things and start believing them and not, and not realizing that what we're saying is actually giving power to the place that we're not, we're not even in. We're actually on the winning side. But we give that power to those things when we start saying that and start living like that. And I just want to tell you today that you can overcome through the power of the cross and through Jesus all of the trials that you're going through. You can overcome them. You're the head and you're not the tail. You're above and you're not beneath. There is no place that Christ has not gone for you that he cannot conquer. And as his sons and daughters, he has given you authority. And I know what it means to have sons and daughters in my house all the time, 24-7, 25-7. Is there any more out? No, all the time. And, you know, I know what it's like, you know, this whole thing of authority to kids. Like Christ, is in, he's, he's made you part of his family. You're his son and his daughter. And, you know, if you've got kids, you know what that's like. You know, they're in your family, and, uh, and then you, you give them permission or you give them authority to do things and go places. And we had this disco on Friday night at our school, and, uh, and, and my kids were like, man, we've got to go to this disco. And my older two five- and seven-year-olds, and they were so excited about going to this disco and getting along on Friday night. And there was a small moment where I was just like, I don't know if I want to send you to a disco. <laughs> like, you're so little and so just... Pure, <laughs> and, uh, and I had this moment in my fatherness where I was just like, "Oh gosh, like that's a big line, right? Like going to, and it's not a big line, but it was a big line." And I was just like, "Man, okay, you can go, but here's the rules." <laughs> and I wanted to lay it down. I knew five and seven really what are they going to do? But it was just this moment where I thought. Oh man, so you know, so I started talking to them. Okay, you got two dollars. You can buy one thing, and anyway, I ended up giving them a bit more money than that. But they went along, and and they knew, you know, they knew that they had to get picked up at this time and dropped off, and that. And it was just reminded me. And I know some of you are way ahead of me in this parenting journey, but there's moments where you're like, oh gosh, I have to give them permission to enjoy this. Like, they're going to enjoy it, but you've got to be with them in it. You know, they're wanting to go. They're going to, all their friends are going to be it. But, you know, there's those moments where you have to choose. Like, do you give a bit of that authority away? Do you give that permission? And, you know, as, as Christ's sons and daughters, he has given us permission. He's given us permission to do what we need to do in God to conquer the things. We don't need to sit back and go, oh, God, do you want me to be more kind? No, he wants you to be more kind. You just got to work at it. You know, oh God, do you want me to forgive that person? Yes, he wants you to forgive that person and he's going to help you. And there's moments where we need to know, know my authority in God comes from knowing that I'm on his side, he's on my side and I can overcome this and go through all of those things. You can get out of debt. You can. God will make a way. If you're dedicated to him and you want to see it come to pass, he'll help you. Go on the cap course. It's a great step. You can beat loneliness and depression. You can. You can do it. God will make a way. It's prevalent in our society today. But I want to tell you that when God's on your side, there's nothing that can keep you down. You can get through it. And yes, it's going to take steps. It's going to take accountability. It's going to take some hardness. But God will make a way where you decide to step into God and believe that he's on the winning side. I love what Job said. I know that my Redeemer lives. I know. And you've got to know he lives. He's on your side. I love... um, 
what Joyce Meyer says. She says, I had a rough start, but I'm going to finish well. I've had a rough start, but I'm going to finish well. I like that because I think a lot of us have had a rough start somewhere in our lives, whether it's been in our upbringing, whether it's been in a, our first job, or whether it's been in a relationship, or whether it's, what it's, whether it's been. But God doesn't leave the story there. He starts writing a new page, and he allows us to walk through that and go, you know what, even though you went through that, you can learn from that, and you can take whatever you need to take out of that, and you can grow through it, but there's a better chapter, a better story, a better page ahead, and you can finish well. Romans 5.17 says, uh, For if by one man's offence death reigned by one, much more they receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Reign in life. Do you feel like you're reigning in life right now? Or do you feel like life is reigning on top of you? And sometimes we need to feel like, you know, actually, God, you said in your word, I will reign in life. So I'm going to choose to reign in life with you. And, uh, and, and I know, you know, for a lot of us, this can be an area where, God, we need to, we need to make a firm line and go, I need, I need to take faith and choose to believe this and step into the winning side. You know, when Joshua was asked by God to go into the promised land, um, they went and took Jericho. And it says about Jericho that the residents of Jericho melted with fear because of the Israelites. They were melting in their fear because of what was, on, what was coming their way. And if you think about that, like they were freaked out. They were so, they were melting with fear. And I don't even know if you've got a bit of cheese and you've sliced it and put it on a plate and then you chuck it in the microwave. My kids do this all the time. And you watch it and the whole thing's real solid. And then after about 10 seconds or so, this little bit of cheese just ends up a big goopy mess everywhere and you've got to scrape it off the plate and put it on a sandwich. And that, but it, whatever it starts to look like, it ends up looking like this goop. And, you know, a melting mess... They felt so worried about what was coming towards them, and yet they were on the winning side. And we can often stand there going, oh, how am I going to, how am I going to, how am I going to? And yet, it's actually the reverse. You know, the enemy, is a, he's, he's melting with fear with the authority you carry. He's melting with fear when you choose to take a stand. He's melting with fear when you decide to stand up for what is right and live the life and be the light in your workplace or wherever God has put you. We are on the winning side. Used to be a um, DVD that my, or a video, a VHS. Anyone? No? Okay. Um, my mum used to have of um, Carmen. I don't know if you remember that. It was like singing a guy. Yeah, anyway, it's old school, but it's cool. And, um, and he used to do this thing called the, the Witch's Invitation. Now, I don't know if you've seen it right, but it's Christian. But um, this guy gets invited to this witch's house, and he's trying to you know, be like, hey, I did all these things, you know, and I healed this person and that. And anyway, he, he, you know, after a few moments, he's sitting there going, oh, God. And then he gets up, and he has this moment of realization, and he goes, you know what? It's not about the power of God versus the power of Satan. It's about the condition of my soul and the condition of your soul. And he said, I'm not going to compare Satan's kingdom to God's kingdom, to your power. And I remember that video so clearly because it just embedded in me this thing of God is all-powerful. It's not God and then Satan. It's God. That's it. There's no secondary power, there's no third power, there's no tenth power, it's just God's power. He's defeated and disarmed the enemy, he has no power over us, except what we give him, except what we let away. And so my second part of this is authority comes from a right relationship with God, a right relationship with God. And Jesus, uh, Joshua, sorry, knew who he was in Christ. Uh, Jody preached last week about being champions for others, and it comes from the fact that God championed us first. He believed in us. He championed us, and we can champion others. 
And God says to Joshua here in Joshua 1, be strong and be very courageous. Very courageous. And you know, God believes in you more than anyone else. He believes in you, but do you believe in yourself? When we start doubting who we are in Christ, we can start doubting our authority in him. But one of the reasons I believe Joshua carried such great authority is that he lingered in the presence of God. It talks about Joshua earlier on in his life that you know, he was Moses' assistant. And when Moses used to meet with God face to face in the tabernacle and Moses would leave the tabernacle, Joshua would linger. He would stay in the tabernacle. And he just wanted to be in the presence of God. That was his heart. He just wanted to be close to God. And I reckon that those from those moments of intimacy with God, of being close to God and in his presence, he just knew God's heart. He had a relationship with God. It was far more than just going through the processes of going to the tabernacle and doing the sacrifices and doing the things. It was more about the time and being in God's presence for him than anything else. And you can see that from his life, that it came out of this place of relationship with him. And I think so many times we can be pretty guilty of this sometimes, I know I can, of going through motions, of going through rituals, of going through things that may look good, but sometimes it's actually going, God, am I lingering here in your presence because I want to be with you and because I want to spend time with you? Or am I just doing this out of... Out of, a, you know, out of a place of function and habit. And you know, that can happen in any area of our life, whether it's our prayer life, reading the Word of God, whether it's you know, loving people, being kind, the way we treat our neighbors, our friends, our family. We can get so mechanical with some things. And God's always bringing us back to this place of, hey, just linger with me. Just spend time in my presence. Don't, don't, don't break off that religious mindset and bring t- be, be with me. Spend time with me. And Joshua modeled that in his life. He lingered. In the, in the presence of God. And, uh, and I believe, you know, that's on us to really spend that time with God. It's on us to make sure that we put it into our lives, whether it's, you know, the Word of God, making time for the Word of God every day in our life, or whether it's our prayers, you know, actually having a place that we pray uh, to God, specifically making that time. It says in that passage that um, to God said to Joshua, this book of law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. And that's a pretty big statement, if you think about it, day and night. Like, I mean, here's Joshua, commander of the army. That sounds like a pretty busy job to me, looking after um, how many thousands of troops and and soldiers and all this other stuff. And and he had some responsibility over all of that. You know, I mean, you think you're busy in your work, you probably are. But unless you've commanded an army of that size, there's always space for time for God, because Joshua made time for it, day and night. He meditated on the Word of God. And, you know, he would have had to be intentional about that. He would have had to actually make sure that he spent time doing it because he knew if he didn't, that the battles that lay ahead, that the things that were coming up in his life, the places God was going to take him, he wouldn't be able to overcome if he hadn't done what God had asked. And, you know, I feel like God has asked some people in this room to do some pretty significant things with your life. I feel like there's people in the city here today and God is asking you to do things that are crazy, that are wild, that are God dreams. And you sometimes go, you know, God, I'm ready, I'm, I'm willing, you know, God, yeah, let's do it. And God's often saying, let's do it. Hey, meditate with me, spend time in my word. Do you know the word of God? Because when that situation comes along, when that roadblock comes along, when that trial or that thing that you are not sure you can face comes along, and you don't know the Word of God, or you haven't spent time in prayer, it's going to be a pretty hard battle. It's like going out to battle with your sword. And you need to know the Word of God in your life. Paul writes in Philippians 3.10, 
I am determined to know him and the power of his resurrection. The power of his resurrection. I love that line because it's not just a throwaway line. There's actually power. There is power in that resurrection. And have you got the power today? Have you got the power to face those things? And I encourage you, there's power in God. Go to God with the things you're facing. Go to God with those things. You know, maybe you're going to places that are helpful, but maybe you need to bring it to God as well, or bring it to Him first. Bring it to God, because in God, you have got the power. I've got the power. It's a song right there. Talking about power, um, so recently, I don't know if I told you this, I sold my car because I was getting a bit over petrol, and I bought an e-bike. Who's been on an e-bike before, on an electric bike? Yeah, 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 by the end of the year, I'll convert you, don't worry. There, honestly, e-bikes are amazing, and, um, and I just want to quickly share the story, because I just had to find a way to bring my e-bike into my sermon. <laughs> but uh, I've been thinking about this whole thing of power, God's given us the power, and so I don't know if you know what it's like riding an e-bike, but basically it's like riding a normal bike, but you've got like Lance Armstrong on the back, pushing you along wherever you go. And before his, yeah, anyway. But you've got him on the back and he's pushing you along. And, and it's like uphills, you're not even breaking a sweat. Like in first or second gear, and you're just, you're just going like, and so I test drove this thing out about a week and a half ago. And I was going up Franklin Road, some of you know where that is in Ponsonby. And, uh, and the guy just said to me in the shop, look, go up the road, go up the steepest hill, and then come down and, and tell me what you think. And honestly, salesmen are cunning, eh? They know what to do. So I got on the spike, and I started going down the road just flat, and then I started going up the hill. And I was like, all right, I'm going to put it to the test. So I cranked up to the highest setting, and I started biking. And this thing just went, like, ripping up the hill. Like, I was going 25, 30 kilometers, just flying up Flankton Road. And, and there was a biker, like a normal biker, coming up the road. And I saw them ahead of me, and I thought, oh. And then I, and then I kind of got next to them. And then I just looked at them, and I was, I was like, hey, and I keep going, and I was like, yeah, man, oh, mate, it felt so good for a second, and I was like, yeah, have a good bike, I'm having a great time, and, uh, and I charged on, and like, I flew up that road, and then I went around the roundabout, and I came down, and oh, man, going down that hill, bike, let's do it, and I was sold, I was totally sold um, in that, but it just it got me thinking, um, you know, there was, there, was, there was power in that bike to get me places that I couldn't go on my own. Well, I could, but it was going to be such a mission. But, you know, there are so many places that God wants to take you, and he's given you the power. It's in your hand. You can do it. He's with you. And sometimes we need to find those places, those areas, those, what is that place I need to go to to get that power I need from God, to power up that hill. And I want to say to you, you know, there are hills in your life, mountains that God wants you to conquer. And he's going to give you the power to push you up those hills. But it's not all uphill. You know, it's not all uphill. You're going to get to those moments. You're going to get to that roundabout, and you're going to fly through other areas. But you know what? I loved flying down that hill because I'd been up it. I loved going down that hill because I'd gone all the way up, and I enjoyed the whole ride up. It was great. And uh, it took a bit of work, not that much work, but it did. But when I was flying down, I enjoyed it that much more. And I think sometimes, you know, we all just want to be cruising downhill the reality is, is when we've conquered hills in our lives, that downhill moment feels so much better because you're resting in the knowledge that God has done something in your life that has given you power to overcome the areas you didn't think you could overcome, that you're achieving things in God that you never thought were possible. And those are the moments where you can look and go, that's a testimony and the power of God in my life right there. 
That was that moment where God overcame that struggle in my marriage. That was that moment where in my work, I felt like I was hitting a brick wall, but God helped me and I overcame it. Those are the moments you can look back and go, man, my relationship with God grew. So whatever it is that you're facing in your hill, don't give up. Don't look back. God has got your back and he's going to get you through it. The last part of, um, of this is just, the third part I just want to talk about is that authority comes because there is land to take. There is a battle. There is a fight on our hands, and God wants to help us do that, but there is land to take. We've got to take the land. Come on, let's say that. Let's take the land. Take the land, man. God wants you to take the land. And I'm not just talking about the land, as in let's see Auckland City saved, and let's see our friends and family. Yes, we want to see that, but there's all this, this land in here as well that God wants to take. There's places in our heart that God is interested in. And after Joshua and the Israelites crossed the Jordan River, um, but before they took the land, several things happened. And I think they're really critical for us uh, and are keys for us to walk in victory in this whole area of authority in our Christian life. And I just wanted to mention four of them. And number one, after they crossed over, the first one was they no longer desired to go back to Egypt, meaning that they were dead to sin. They no longer wanted to go back to Egypt. Joshua 5.8 says, This day I have removed the reproach of Egypt from off you. From off you. God broke the power of sin at the Jordan River. You know, there's that saying that said the the Israelites left Egypt, but Egypt never really left them. Well, that's true when they're walking walking around the wilderness. But when they crossed that river, things changed. And I reckon there's a lot of Christians that, man, they say baptized, you know, they've got the Holy Spirit, but they're still walking in wilderness. They're still walking in wilderness, and they've never really crossed that Jordan. They've never really crossed that moment where they know that God has given them victory, that they've realized that they, their sins have been nailed to the cross, and they're walking in the victory that God has for them. And they've crossed over their personal Jordan for themselves. Romans 6, 6 in the New Testament puts it this way, knowing this, that our old man, our old nature was crucified with him, that our body of sin may be rendered inoperative, and that henceforth we should not serve sin. You know, when you cross over that Jordan River, you no longer desire to serve sin. It doesn't mean you're perfect, but your old nature has been broken off, and you no longer want to serve sin in your life. Sin has no power over you except for which you give it. And I truly believe, you know, I've seen this in my own life. I've seen people that, you know, have been going hard for God, they've been saved, they've been baptized, you know, moving in the Spirit, and then a few years later, they're far from God. You know, they've walked away from God, they're not in church, and they're, 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 they're going through brokenness, there's things going on in their lives. And I think sometimes, you know, I wonder whether they came to that moment of crossing the Jordan where they decided, I'm not turning back. Doesn't matter what comes my way, I'm not turning back. Whether this, you know, this illness hits me, whether I hit redundancy, whether I get you know, abused, whether you know, I'm rejected, but I'm not turning back. God is the God that I serve, and I'm not going to serve sin. And I think those moments are really important before we take the land, that we realize we've crossed the Jordan in our lives. And I think that needs to be something, you know, in a, in a Christian's repertoire today, I'm not looking back. When it comes to my marriage, there's no looking back. You know, I'm married, I'm committed to this. When it comes to areas of my life, I'm not going to turn back. You know, before the Jordan, Israelites, they were always looking back at Egypt, always looking back at what they thought was great, always looking over their shoulder, wondering, oh, what if, you know, maybe it was better, you know, maybe we had it good. They didn't have it good. And I think as Christians, we need to come to that point and we say, there's a line in the sand, and I'm not turning back from this point. 
and I've crossed my personal Jordan, made changes, you know. And I just want to say, you know, we need to sometimes look at this and go, I need to deal with the sin. When I cross that Jordan, I'm dealing with these things in my life. Maybe it is actually deciding to change a habit in your life, talking to a friend or someone that you trust. And, you know, the Bible says, confess your sins to one another, pray for one another that you may be healed. Uh, Maybe it's talking to a counsellor or seeing someone, but deciding, you know, I'm not turning back, I'm moving forward. And, uh, you know, we we went to Thailand once, me and Katie, when we were young, we're still young, before we had kids and uh, and all that sort of stuff. And we were were on the main island going to another little island and we took one of those long, like, I think they're called like dragon boat, um, long tails or something, and they got a long... Uh, engine with a long thing and a, and a propeller on the end. And anyway, these boats. And we got on one and we were going out to this little island and um, it was really calm when we, left the o- when we left the beach. Really calm. And then we got out to the open waters and the swells started going like crazy, like two metre swells. And this thing was going up and down and the driver on the back was grinning, like grinning, like, it's okay. <laughs> and it was really rough. And after a while, like, we had to, he put a cover over his engine, and he, and he was, he actually looked really worried. And, like, the boat was going up and down, and I remember holding our bags, and we were, and Katie was panicking, and I thought, I've got to, I've got to keep a straight face here. And I kept saying to her, we're almost there. We're almost there. I can see the island. I can see the island. And she was like, no, we are not. And, and I, I must have said, we're almost there for, like, an hour. Like, we're almost there. We're almost there. And we were just going, and we were soaked, our gear was soaked and everything. And, uh, <laughs> and I remember finally getting there, and oh man, like, I was, we were like kissing the beach, like, oh, thank you, Jesus. I actually thought at one point we're going to die, but it was, but I kept saying, we're almost there, we're almost there. And I heard <laughs> yelling at me, we're not almost there, you're joking, you're lying. I was like, no, we are almost there. And, uh, and we got there, we crossed. <laughs> Oh, but you're almost there. Don't lose sight of where God's taking you. You can do it. You're almost there. You know, maybe you're almost there. Keep going. Keep going. Whatever you're battling through. You're almost there. Don't look back. Don't turn back. You'll get to the place God needs to bring you. The second point out of um, when they, when they, just before they took the land is that the manna from heaven stopped. I don't know if you know this, but when they crossed over the Jordan, all of a sudden the manna didn't come from heaven. And that had that for 40 years. All of a sudden it's not long, no longer there. And the Israelites had to find you know, food. And so they went out and they found the fruit and they found the, the goods of the land and they started living off the land. And you know, there comes a moment where sometimes when God's doing a new work in your life and is giving you authority, that he's going to do things a new way. And he's going to provide in a new way. But it takes faith to trust God. You can't always live off yesterday's methods or the way that you've always operated. When God's moving you into a new season, you need to be prepared to change the ways and to change things in your life, to allow God to do a new thing and to take you to new places and and not rely on yesterday's manna, yesterday's bread. God will provide a way. So, you know, whether it's buying a house or moving to a new job or moving out of the city or doing whatever, God will make a way for you. And you have the authority as a believer to go, you know what? God, I trust you. You know, whatever you're taking me through, you will provide. He is Jehovah Jireh. But we need to look for God in those ways. There's the story of a pastor that was praying for healing. And he used to cry out, God, would you heal me? Lord, would you heal my body? And God said to him, yes, go and see your doctor. He was like, oh, Lord, okay. And so he went to see his doctor. And, you know, he got some medication and he was fine. And, you know, sometimes we can be so, that's how it was meant to happen, God. That's how it's meant to happen. You know, they would have been like, no, no, we've had this mana. You know, what are you talking about? 
And all of a sudden, God changed things, you know, and they, they needed to be ready for that. They couldn't live off that for the rest of their lives. And I wonder what areas God's asking us to solely rely on him for. What's an area in your life that God is saying, just rely here on me and nothing else? And that can be really hard at times, but when we trust God, he does make us successful. The third point in this, as I come to a bit of a close, is Joshua commanded all the men to be circumcised at Gilgal. And, you know, this represents a cutting away of the things the fleshly desires. What was outwardly for an Israelite is inwardly for a Christian in our lives. What was a cutting away of things for us is actually being prepared to let go of things in our own lives. And, uh, you know, it's not a one-time process. Joshua went through the land of Israel uh, and he cleared out 31 kings. And that number basically represents areas and pockets and places in our lives that are not really dedicated to God, you know. And we might be believers. We're all on a journey towards God. But there will be areas where God, he doesn't yet have that dominion or, you know, he doesn't quite have that reign and rule in our lives. And, you know, like Joshua, he's just my son agreeing with me. As Joshua went through the land, he cleared out these things. Uh, And it took time. It was bit by bit. It didn't all happen overnight. But he did go throughout the land and he cleared those kings out of that territory. Deuteronomy 36 says, And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and and that you may live. And we know, you know, the New Testament talks about pruning. God prunes things so we can be more fruitful. You know, he, he disciplines the ones that he loves. And if you're going through a real season of discipline or of pruning, can I, can, can I encourage you? It's because God loves you. It's because he's interested in you. It's because he cares deeply about where you're at. And, you know, it can be really hard to go through those seasons, but those are the seasons where things grow in your life. Those are the things that, you know, God often does the biggest riches and treasures in your life when he's, he's prepared as a good father to do what's necessary to remove the things from our lives. Sometimes it's things we don't want to go through. Sometimes it's people going through things that we don't want to see them go through. But God will do what it takes to bring us back into where he wants us. He'll cut away the things that he needs to cut away. He'll take some pretty serious measures to deal with those roots and those things in our lives so that we have a right relationship with him and that we can walk in more authority with God. And, you know, like personally for me, I think I used to um, oversee our worship ministry at church and before I was in the city. And, you know, it was a real struggle often sometimes balancing pleasing man and pleasing God. And I think sometimes when we have let God cut away things in our lives, Uh, I think sometimes a measure of whether God has circumcised our hearts is whether we actually are pleasing God and not just pleasing man. And, you know, there was times often, I think, where, you know, it was easier to please people and say, yeah, take, take, you know, take a month off or don't turn up to a practice or don't worry, you didn't learn the words or, you know, we'll just do it averagely. And, and and, And often you ended up finding yourself pleasing people and not really pleasing God. And it was a real area where I felt God just put his hand on it and say, hey, can you give this to me? Can you give this area to me? Oh, but that means I'm going to have to have some hard conversations. Yeah. But can you give it to me and trust me? Oh, but that means I'm going to have to really put some lines in the sand with with things and, and, and that. Yeah, but that's what God wants to do in our lives. He's actually pruning and shaping us and allowing us to go through those things to actually sharpen us and to grow in those areas. And, uh, you know, some signs, I think, of this whole area of our lives being circumcised in our hearts uh, is, I think, you know, is, uh, is that there's humility. 
You know, we're, we're humble. When things happen, we, we take the road of humility rather than get proud and jump on things and react. Uh, we're repentant. When things come into our lives, we're willing to deal with it and we repent and we come to God. We're cooperative and we let the Holy Spirit lead us. Those are some signs that God is chopping things in our lives and we're willing to deal with it. We're willing to let the Holy Spirit lead us. We don't put confidence in our flesh, but we put it in the Spirit of God. You know, we don't trust in all of our ability and all the talents and things that God has given us, but we rely more on God and His power to bring us through things. And lastly, we're able to forgive and we're able to release things in our lives. We're able to release people and forgive people and let things go from our lives. And uh, the last point I want to make is that you know, before they took the land and had that authority, the angel of the Lord came to Joshua and he had a sword in his hand and he gave them specific instructions about Jericho. He told them how to take the battle. And, you know, through our lives as Christians, this is really crucial because whether it's seeing friends and family come to faith, whether it's seeing, you know, our community touched or our city changed, or whether it's about seeing parts of our lives given to God, it has to be done God's way. It has to be done with God's instructions in our lives. You know, there's a key verse for Church Unlimited in Zechariah 4.6, which says, Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And that is a verse for you and for me. You know, you're part of this church. And sometimes it's not always doing it the way we think is going to work. It's being willing to say, okay, God, how do you want to do this? Because when we do it God's way, it'll work. When we do it our way, we might only get 20, 30% of the way. But when we trust God, he makes a way for us. He's not really interested in what we can do for him. He's interested in doing stuff with us and being part of the journey and being part of where God is taking us. You know, you and God are such a good combo. And there's so many people's lives that will be blessed when you step into that with God. And you're willing to partner with God and to be led to the places he wants to take you. But it does come by listening to God's instructions. That very last part of Joshua says in verse 9, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Not just at church. Not just with your family. Wherever you go. Wherever God sends you, he is with you. And I just want to close by um, reading this last part of Joshua, which says, Joshua 21, 43. So the Lord gave Israel all the land he had sworn to give their ancestors, and they took possession of it and settled there. The Lord gave them rest on every side, just as he had sworn to their ancestors. Not one, not one of their enemies withstood them. The Lord gave all of their enemies into their hands, and not one of the Lord's good promises to Israel failed. Every one of them was fulfilled. I love that the fact that after all of that, God talks about how they took the land. Every part of it, every promise, everything was fulfilled, and God did what he said he was going to do. And this is the picture of what a believer who walks in authority and obeys God looks like. This is what it looks like. This is the model that God gives to us in this scripture of what it means to walk in authority. That there's no place at the land that God cannot give us. There's no promise that he said that will fall to the ground. When we, when we walk with God and we walk in obedience to him, the whole book of Joshua is a story about obedience, about obeying God and willing to walk through the things God has for us. But he says in this last part, not one of those promises. You know, what's the promises that you feel maybe either, you know, has failed or you feel like God is not hearing you or you feel like, man, what's happening, God, with this area of my life? What's happening with this area of relationships? What's happening with this career that seems to be stuck in one place? What's happening in this part of my life? And God says, 
Every single promise will be fulfilled. And you can take the land. But it, it does start with going, you know, God, I need to do this your way. You know, imagine if Joshua had met with that angel and said, thank you for your instructions, but now I'm going to do it how I think I should do it. And so often that's actually what we do. We hear God say one thing, and then we go and do it another way. And, you know, God, God I think, stood there, and he actually said to him, you know, you can do this, but hey, this is how I want you to do it. And they took Jericho and took the land. And, uh, you know, taking possession of the land, stepping into the calling that God has for your life and crossing the Jordan. Giving you rest on every side. You may have had a shaky start, but God is going to get you to finish the race well and run the good race. Giving you all the enemies into your hands is cutting away everything that hinders you from running that race. Even the hardest, deepest, most hard-to-give-to-God areas of your life, even those can be surrendered to God. And every promise fulfilled, well, the blessing of obedience so outweighs the consequences of sin. And if we remain faithful and tender-hearted to God and love Him with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul and strength, we will see God's promise come to fruition. God needs many Joshuas in today's world. He's looking for more Joshuas to raise up. And I believe God is bringing his whole church into his inheritance in these last days. But it does require Joshuas to lead it. It does require people that are going to have that same spirit as he had. Men, women, young people, even children leading the way. You know, Joshua represented those who had gone through the wilderness test, crossed over the Jordan. They were willing to deal with the areas of their lives and then they were willing to take position and have courage and do whatever it took to take the land. And they trusted in God and led his way. Why don't we stand this morning as we uh, finish and as the worship team just come. I just feel there's a couple of things that God wants to do. And uh, I'm just going to sing this song. Um, across that's the new one, The Passion. 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 Oh, hey, just stay with me, church. So we're going to sing that song, that new song, The Passion. And uh, I just feel, you know, with a message like this, what we need to do is just really bring our hearts before God, surrender afresh to Him, and just ask God to really show us in our heart, Lord, where do you want to increase that authority in my life? You need that power from God to overcome. And maybe it's an area that, you know, you need to really bring before God and trust God with. Maybe it's an area that you've been dealing with and you feel like, God, I need to surrender this afresh to you. Or maybe for you, you haven't really crossed over that Jordan. You know, you've heard about God, you've been in church your whole life, but you've never really had that moment where you've said, God, I'm crossing that line. I'm not turning back. This is for real. This faith is for me, and I need this Jesus in my life. Or maybe there's an area in your life that, you know, you have been trusting God like the Israelites had that manna. And they just, you know, they, they trusted God with one way, but they're not sure about trusting God with another area of their life. And you need to trust God with that provision. God wants to increase that authority in your life this morning. So as we sing that song, the passion, I just encourage you, you know, lift your heart to God and uh, allow Him to soften your heart, to come into those areas of your life and to bring real power into your life, to see that authority increase. So come on, let's sing this morning.